Genesis chapter 19, verse 1. And the two angels came to Sodom at even. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot saw them, and rose up to meet them, and he fell down on his face to the earth. So these were the two angels that were with the Lord that met Abraham at the trees of Mamre. And the two angels went down as witnesses to Sodom to tell the Lord how evil Sodom is. And then the Lord planned to destroy Sodom. Meanwhile, the Lord was still talking to Abram. They had a conversation, and then the Lord left. The Bible makes it really clear that these are angels, and will tell by their behavior that they're angels, because they can't be destroyed. They do the destroying, even though a whole town comes against them. The town is not able to harm them, too. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn aside, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and ye shall rise up early, and go on your way. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the broad place all night. So when people come into a town in ancient times, the center of town is like a check-in zone, where if you're a stranger, People might take you into their home, or they might not. There might be a well there where you can get water, and it's just a place where everybody knows that you've arrived. I'm not sure why a lot was sitting at the gate, but we can guess by how the town treats these angels that perhaps Lot was sitting there because he knows that strangers are treated really bad, and so maybe he looks out for strangers, because God always demands that his people take care of strangers. Also, in ancient times, men would often sit at the gate of a town, because the gate is where transactions take place and legal proceedings take place. So it's also kind of like the town courthouse. And that could be another reason why Lot was there. Maybe he had some business there. But he is begging the angels to go stay with him because he knows that this is a town where they won't be treated well. And they're saying they want to stay in the broad place. And that's probably so that they can witness what all is going on there and report it to the Lord. 3. And he urged them greatly, and they turned in unto him, meaning they decided, okay, we'll, we'll do it your way, we'll go to your house and entered into his house, and he made them a feast, and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. Now they just got done eating a feast with Abraham. Then they traveled, I don't know how long, it could have been a few days or something, I'm not sure. And now Abraham's nephew, Lot, is feeding them a feast. You see how Abram welcomed the Lord, and now Lot welcomes the Lord. Even though these are angels, they're representatives of the Lord. And you can see also another example of how God and his angels can eat human food. And it's not because they're hungry. It's because, you know, God communes with us. And he baked them unleavened bread. This means bread that, that has not, that does not have any yeast in it or baking powder or baking soda. It doesn't have anything that will make it rise. So it's a flat bread. And in the Bible, God commands the Israelites to eat unleavened bread, meaning flat bread, for the Passover. Because leaven, yeast, anything that makes bread rise, represents sin in the world. So whenever the Jews eat flat bread, it represents that they're abstaining from sin, that they're obeying the commands of the Lord. So here we see a sign of Lot's righteousness. He's serving the angels unleavened bread. 4. But before they lay down, meaning before they went to bed, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both young and old, all the people from every quarter. Wow. 
all the men in the town, young and old, have now circled. This is very scary. Can you imagine if all the men in your town came and circled your home? Uh, that's not good. Five, and they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men that came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. Knowing somebody is a common term in the Bible, which means having sex. But this won't be sex. This is going to be gang rape. So they're demanding that Lot send the men out so that the entire town can gang rape them. God was right when he said this was an evil town, wasn't he? This town is the epitome of evil. Imagine if you're a stranger in a town, and because you're a stranger, the entire town wants to rape you. They must have already raped each other, and now they want somebody new to rape. Unspeakable evil. 6. And Lot went out unto them to the door and shut the door after him. So he's trying to protect them by standing outside the door with the door closed. 7. And he said, I pray you, my brethren, do not so wickedly. 8. Behold, now I have two daughters that have not known man, so they're virgins. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do ye to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing, for as much as they are come under the shadow of my roof. Now this seems very brutal, because Lot is offering his daughters to be gang raped. So on one hand, it seems extremely brutal, but on the other hand, you have to understand that Lot is picking the lesser of two evils. He knows that these men are intent on raping, and so he's saying it would be less evil if you raped women, because then you're not having sex with men, so it's the lesser of two evils. Also, the other thing that Lot's pointing out is he is responsible for their welfare. Now, he's responsible for his daughter as well, but these are strangers, and in the Bible, we have a big responsibility towards strangers and foreigners. We're required to take care of them because they're considered weak. So even though his daughters are also considered weak, he has a greater obli obligation to take care of foreigners. It's a very brutal scene, both what the townsmen say and what Lot says. But what Lot is suggesting is the lesser evil. 9. And they said, Stand back. And they said, This one fellow came into sojourn, and he will needs play the judge. Now will, he, will we deal worse with thee than with them? So this is what they're saying. They're saying, You're a foreigner too. You weren't born in this town. You came in as a stranger. And now you're telling us what to do? You have no right to judge us. So now we're going to brutalize you worse than we would have brutalized those men. What they're saying is they're going to gang rape Lot because he didn't go along with them. And maybe they're going to torture him, mutilate him, tear him apart, who knows what. But they say, we're going to do even worse than gang rape to you. So whatever they have in mind, it must be heinous. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and drew near to break the door. They're trying to rape Lot. And because he's standing against the door, they're about ready to break through the door because there's a lot more of them than him. 10. But the men put forth their hand, now this means the angels, and brought Lot into the house to them, and the door they shut. Now, if these were regular men, for one thing, it already told us they're angels, so we know they're angels. But if they weren't angels, they wouldn't have been able to open the door, grab Lot, pull him in, and shut the door again. Because as soon as they opened the door, the whole town would have caved into the house. But because they're angels, they have supernatural power. 11. And they smote the men 
that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. So the angels caused all the men to be blind. This, I don't know if this is a temporary or permanent blindness, so the men didn't even know where the door was anymore. 12. And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters? And whomsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of the place. So the angels are telling Lot, whoever is in your family, if you have sons-in-law, anybody you care about, gather them together. We're going to take them out of the city to save them. 13. For we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxed great before the Lord, and the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. 14. And Lot went out and spoke unto his sons-in-law, who married his daughters, and said, Get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But he seemed unto his daughters-in-law as one that jested. Now, in some Bible versions, it says that it's the fiancés of his daughters. Here it's saying it's the husbands of his daughters. In some Bible translations, it says that these are the fiancés of his daughters. In this translation, it says that they're his actual sons-in-law. But he just told the men in the town that his daughters were virgins. So I'll explain. Lot was not lying. His daughters are virgins. And these guys are both what we would consider fiancés and what Lot considers sons-in-law. Because with the Jewish people, they considered engagement to be legally binding. In other words, you are fully married by law on the day that you become engaged, even though the union won't be consummated and you won't actually live together until later when you have the wedding. So in our Western culture, you're not married until you have the wedding. But in in this ancient culture of the Hebrews, you actually are legally married on the day of your engagement. This is really important to grasp because this is why Jesus calls us his bride, even though we haven't met him in the sky yet and gone to heaven in heaven. We're spiritually bound to Jesus at the engagement. The engagement was when he ate the Passover meal with the disciples. That was the engagement between him and the church. We're married to him even though we're still virgins, spiritually speaking. This is not physical. This is all spiritual. But when we get to heaven, then we will dwell with him forever. He'll come for his bride. So in ancient cultures, there was a legal contract at the day of engagement. Then the bridegroom went to prepare a place for his bride. And when the place was prepared, he came back to get her. And he took her up to her new home. And this is exactly what's going to happen with Jesus and the church. We already belong to him. We're already legally bound. So we don't turn to any other religion or or turn to sin. And then he's preparing a place for us now, and he's going to come back and take us. He's going to take us to his home that he has prepared for us. In Western culture, we don't take engagement very seriously. A lot of people fornicate during engagement. They cheat on each other during the engagement. And it's not a legal contract, which means they can easily break it on a whim. But in this ancient times, and in all of the Bible times, an engagement was a legal contract. It was extremely serious, and you don't break it. And that's how it is with us and Jesus. It's an extremely serious relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. And it's not meant to be broken, and it's not taken lightly. 
and we don't go back and sin while he's preparing us a home. So that's why Lot calls them his sons-in-law, even though his daughters are virgins and they're only engaged to these men, because legally they're married, even though the wedding feast hasn't occurred and the marriage hasn't been consummated and they're not living together. But he seemed unto his sons-in-law as one that jested. So his sons-in-law thought it was a joke and they didn't believe him that the city was going to be destroyed. So they stayed in the city. They didn't want to go. Um, so they died. 15. And when the morning rose, then the angels hastened a lot. They, they hurried him up, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters that are here, lest thou be swept away in the iniquity of the city. Iniquity means sin. 16. But he lingered. So Lot, he doesn't want to go, and this is a problem with Lot. He looks to the city for his livelihood rather than looking to God. And that's the difference between Lot and Abraham. And Lot did not belong there, but yet he clung to that place anyway. So you and I need to give up all the things that we don't belong to and go with the Lord. But he lingered, and the men laid hold upon him, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters. So they actually grabbed these angels grabbed the women's hands and held their hands to drag them out of the city. That's something. The angels are really protective and they're like, they're treating them like children, which is beautiful and just amazing. The Lord being merciful unto him. So this is the Lord's mercy that even though the family was hesitating, God could have walked away and said, okay, you're going to hesitate. Fine. You go up in flames with the rest of them. But God is merciful and loving and kind. And so he said, I came here to save you and I'm going to save you. So the angels are forcing Lot out of the town because of the love of God. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. So it's almost like they picked him up and set him outside the city. It's just amazing that Lot and his family were so resistant that the angels had to drag him by the hand and carry him. 17. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, Except for thy life, look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be swept away. The angels are telling Lot, If you look back to watch it, you're going to die because this fire is going to spread everywhere. So they've warned him clearly and they told him, Don't stay in the plain, meaning the big the big flat area of land that circles the cities that's on actually the west side of the cities because on the right side is the Red Sea and the Jordan River. On the left side is the plain and past the plain is where Abraham is. But the angels say, you can't stay down low. You'll burn. You need to escape up the mountain or you'll get swept away. So there must have been so much fire raining down that it might have on the ground seemed like lava. Um, when the sulfur burned, it might have burned up in a, in a way that was a lot like lava and you wouldn't want to be standing in it. This is the second time in the Bible where we see a picture of, it's like imagery of Jesus coming back for his bride. The first one was when Noah was in the boat and the boat was lifted above the, the ground by the water and it was lifted up toward heaven. And Noah was the only family that was saved on the entire planet. Now we see Lot being lifted up, being told to go up the mountain. Only his family is the only family saved. Now the next time we're going to see this is when Rahab is saved from Jericho. 
and she is lifted up. Her and her family are lifted up over the wall of Jericho and saved when the city gets destroyed. And the last time we're going to see it is in the New Testament when it's prophesied that Jesus will come back for his bride and he will meet her in the clouds and she will go up into the air and she will be taken to heaven right before the, the great and terrible day of the Lord where the earth is destroyed. 18. And Lot said unto them, Oh, not so, my Lord. 19. Behold now, thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast shown unto me in saving my life, and I cannot escape to the mountain, lest the evil overtake me and I die. So now Lot is saying, Thank you for saving me, but I'm going to die on the mountain. I don't want to go to the mountain. So Lot was afraid to obey their commands. 20. Behold now, this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. So one of the circuit cities is a very tiny little town, and Lot is begging the angels, Don't make me live on the mountain. Please let me live in this little town, and don't let this little town be destroyed. Just just destroy the others. So see how dependent Lot is on cities and towns. He doesn't have the faith to go out into the wilderness and let God prepare a way for him. He believes that he needs a town to live in or else he'll perish. And that's really weak faith. If God sends us out into the desert, that's where we need to go. Jesus spent time in the desert. Elijah spent time in the desert. John the Baptist spent time in the desert. There are times when God sends us out into the wilderness, but he always provides and takes care of us. So we shouldn't be afraid when that happens. But Lot is afraid. 21. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow the city of which thou hast spoken. So now God in his mercy has said, Okay, Lot, I won't destroy that one little town. You can live there, and I'll just destroy all the other towns. 22. Hasten thou, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou do till thou be come thither. Therefore the name of the city is called Zoar. So God was actually going to wait for Lot to get to Zor before he destroyed the other cities. That way Lot wouldn't burn when the, when the uh, fire came down from the sky. 23. The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot came unto Zor. 24. Then the Lord caused to rain upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. So fire actually fell from the sky. Now we see this again in the book of Revelation. God will send fire from the sky as one of the plagues in Revelation as well. And we also see it in Exodus because God sent brimstone down on Egypt as one of the plagues on Egypt too. So there's three times in the Bible where we see God sending fire from heaven. It was morning when Lot got to Zor, and then the fire started coming down on the circuit cities, but not the city that he was in. 25. And he, God, overthrew those cities and all the plain. So so all the area, the flat area around the cities, he also burned. And all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. So all of the people burned, and all of the plants burned. So an entire region is destroyed. It's not just Sodom, not just Gomorrah. 26. But his wife, Lot's wife, looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. So she turned into salt because because she looked back. And I guess when the sulfur came in contact with human, you know, the carbon that's in our body, I guess that's how it turned her into salt. When it burned her, it basically would have burned her alive. So I'm assuming that's what came became of everybody who got burned down there. Must have been a chemical reaction. 
she probably stopped and that meant that she was too close to all the action and so she was basically in it. The angels had warned him, don't stop in the plane. 27. And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. 28. And he looked out toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain and beheld and lo, the smoke of the land went up as the smoke of a furnace. This must have been like 9-11, but on a much greater scale because it was spread out among multiple cities and a plain. So all that fire was coming up from a massive, massive area. 29. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot dwelt. So now the Bible is telling us that God saved Lot because he loved Abraham. Pretty neat, huh? 30. And Lot went up out of Zor and dwelt in the mountain and his two daughters with him. So this is interesting. The angels originally told Lot to go to the mountain and Lot begged them to let him go to Zor instead. Now, after those cities are destroyed, Lot doesn't want to live in Zor anymore, and now he goes up in the mountain where he was told to go in the first place, because he ended up in another little town that was evil. All those towns were evil. He, he finally realized, wow, the angels were right. I should have gone to the mountain. I'd be better off not living with anybody. So at this point, Lot is now wise enough not to live with evil men, so he goes up into the mountain. So he takes his two daughters with him, for he feared to dwell in Zor, and he dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. Maybe the other reason he's afraid to, to live in Zor is because he knows that it's wicked, and he's like, God could change his mind. God could come down again and decide to destroy this city too, because this city is wicked, just like Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot's thinking ahead. 31. And the firstborn said unto the younger, our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. The firstborn is saying, we're never going to have husbands or children. 32. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him that we may preserve seed of our father. 33. And they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father, and he knew not when she lay down nor when she arose. Now, why would she do this? This seems so disgusting. It is disgusting. But as I told you in previous chapters, in ancient times, women were taken care of by their fathers until they got married. Then their husband was responsible for them. And when their husband died, then their firstborn son became responsible for taking care of them. So these girls are saying, are thinking, our father is going to die because he's getting old, but we'll never have husbands or sons. So when he dies, we're going to be destitute and we're going to starve to death, is what they're thinking. So the firstborn son, the firstborn daughter is saying, so that we don't starve to death in poverty and destitution when our father dies, we're going to have to make him have sex with us so that we can have sons and then our sons will have to take care of us. That was what the whole plot was. It's a financial plot. And they know that he wouldn't do it willingly. And this is why they get him drunk. Is because they knew that he could only do this if he were totally out of his mind. And they got him so drunk that he didn't even know when they came in and when they left. So the first daughter goes and sleeps with him the first night. 34. And it came to pass on the morrow the next day that the firstborn said unto the younger, Behold, I lay yesternight with my father. Let us make him drink wine this night also, and go thou in and lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. So she's telling her younger sister to go do the same thing. 
and she's putting it in a in a positive light saying to preserve his seed so that his name continues in the generations 35 and they made their father drink wine that night also and the younger arose and lay with him and he knew not when she lay down nor when she arose 36 thus were both the daughters of lot with child by their father it's a strategy to survive it's not right they should not have done this it shows a lack of faith they should have trusted the lord to take care of them later on we're going to read about in the book of ruth that ruth didn't have a husband either but she didn't use evil means to get a child. Even though she knew she was going to live in poverty, she did nothing wrong. And God gave her a husband miraculously. So the same thing could have happened to these daughters if they had faith, but they didn't have faith. They didn't, they, they didn't believe that God would take care of them. So they chose to take matters into their own hands. 37. And the firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab, the same as the father of the Moabites unto this day. 38. And the younger, she also bore a son and called his name Ben-Ami, the same as the father of the children of Ammon unto this day. Now you need to note these names. These names are extremely important. The Moabites were enemies of the Israelites. They were bad people in the Bible. The Israelites had to fight them. So Lot's generations are going to be against God. So his seed, his legacy is not going to be a good one. And Ammon also is another tribe that's against the Israelites in the Bible and against God. Both of these tribes are going to worship false gods and they're going to war against the Israelites and they're going to lose. And that concludes Genesis chapter 19.